When you were a kid, did your mom or dad or guardian, did they ever leave you a note in your lunchbox? Maybe if you're a parent, do you ever write your kids a note in their lunchbox, maybe just telling them you love them or have a great day or just leaving some encouraging word for them? Would you ever think that a lunchbox note could change your life or change somebody else's life? Well, for my guest today, that's exactly what happened. Welcome to Business with Purpose. I'm your host, Molly Stillman of Still Being Molly, and this show is all about bringing you the stories behind the brands, companies, and small businesses that are changing the world. Each week, I interview an entrepreneur, a CEO, nonprofit director, community leader, or just an all-around amazing person who's trying to make a positive impact not only through their personal life, but also their career. My goal is to show you that no matter what you do for a living, you can make an impact wherever you are. My guest today is Christy Hayes, the founder of Be Strong Story Family and host of the Be Love podcast, a company that was inspired by a lunchbox note that her husband wrote her son. It said, be strong, protect the weak, love everyone. I absolutely adore Christy. She is hilarious. She is so funny. She is just such an inspiring person. I love the way that she and her family just live out this mantra of being strong, protecting the weak, and loving everyone. I actually had the opportunity to be on her podcast. You can actually go check it out, episode 45 of the Be Love podcast, and definitely go take a listen to that. But this was just such a blast to chat with Christy and have her on my show, and so I can't wait for you to hear this conversation. So without further ado, on to my chat with Christy. Christy, I am so happy to have you on the show today. How are you? I am good. Thanks for having me. It's so fun that we're finally connecting. I know. I know. We have so many mutual friends and we connected, I guess, kind of mid 2000. Was it like early to mid 2019? Yeah. yeah, And it's just been so fun to um, follow you and kind of be internet friends here for a little while. And so I'm just really happy to welcome you on the show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Of course, of course. Well, um, I'm going to have you, we're just going to, you know, we're going to kick it off by having you do what all of my guests do, and that's give us the Christy 101. Tell us who you are and kind of how you got to where you are today. Yeah. So um, my name is Christy Hayes. We live in Denver. I am wife to Grant Hayes and mama to Holden, who's 11, and Carter May. We like to call her sis, um, and she is eight years old. So first and foremost, mom and and wife to them, but I have always been this entrepreneur's heart. And so it's kind of taken me all over. It's a, it's funny kind of where it's all taken me, but we, um, youth ministry is really my background. And so for years, um, I worked with youth and families and just loved every second of it. We went to Washington DC. My husband was in the secret service. And so we did a stint with, um, the president there. And while we were there, I was like, I think I really want to do some like, I don't know, political stuff. And my husband's like, you don't know anything about any political stuff. Like you haven't even read the newspaper ever. And I don't know who I thought I was, but I was like, I think I, I want to try to do this. So we, I worked on Capitol Hill for a while and um, did some press advance for the White House. And that was so fun. Um, and then we moved back to Oklahoma City, um, which is where I went to school and had our first son and went back into youth ministry did some fitness training for a while, which I loved. Coaching is kind of my love, whether it be coaching kids in basketball or coaching women just in wholeness and health and fitness. And now I 
I'm doing something that I just adore and love and it kind of brings our family together. We started a company called Be Strong Story about four years ago, but really I went full-fledged the last two years. And it's very simple. It all started from, honestly, a lunchbox note that my husband wrote my son. He was just having a hard time on the playground with a friend. And as a first grader, he just needed a little encouragement from his dad. And so it just had three lines. It said, be strong, protect the weak, love everyone. And he got home and I was like, oh my gosh, that's the greatest note I've ever seen. And I'd love to live that out as as our family. And so we did. And that's kind of been our mission and motto. And now we're just sharing that with others through a variety of ways. So whether it be, um, we started with apparel, people wanted t-shirts with that motto on it. And we, my dream was to actually employ homeless to screen print our shirts, but I didn't know how to do any of that. So when we moved to Denver a couple years ago, there was a friend who said, I actually volunteer at a homeless shelter and they screen print stuff on the side to help employ their homeless. So we've been working with them for a couple years, which is just a dream. And then, um, We do some family coaching, just strengthening families by loving and caring for others well and just helping them and just serve others. And honestly, we're just doing it right alongside with them because we don't know everything. We just have had some people who have taught us. And then um, we have a children's book coming out in March, which is super fun. And um, that's kind of the story of the napkin note. And yeah, and then I love doing what kind of what you do just with podcasting. We have a Be Love podcast where we just share stories of those who are loving well in hopes to inspire the listener to do the same thing. So that's it in a nutshell. I love it. That's perfect. There's a couple of things that I want to obviously kind of unpack from that. But I wanna, I'm going to go back to the beginning because I'm the kind of person who if I have the question, then I know somebody listening does. And so I ask the question, even though it's like sometimes people are like, why would you ask that? I'm like, because uh, I wanted to know. And I guarantee you somebody <laughs> else did. Um, and I'm the boss. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, so I have to ask, working for uh, the president and your husband being in the Secret Service, uh, what was that like? Like, like that's pretty amazing. And okay, real quick, funny side story uh, to lead into this. So I grew up right outside of Washington, D.C. And um, my parents, actually, funny enough, my dad was hanging out with this guy yesterday in Florida and they hadn't seen each other in like 10 years. Um, It's like, what a small, what a coincidence. So he was a former Secret Service, um, like head of the Secret Service for President Jimmy Carter. Okay, And um, obviously, I was not alive when Carter was president, but um, he, you know, he was retired Secret Service. And so I remember as a kid, I would ask him, like, what was it like to be head of the Secret Service for President Carter? And he told me that um, like his favorite story about President Carter was that um, President Carter loved to fish, but was actually a really terrible fisherman, (laughs) like a really terrible fisherman. And so apparently... Ahead of time, like whenever President Carter would have to go fishing somewhere, he would like as head of the Secret Service, he would like call in advance and have wherever he was going to go fish, like in a lake or something, stocked with fish. No, yes. wow. <laughs> so that so that President Carter would catch something. Uh, why don't I have those people in my life? Isn't like that the things that I suck at, that they could just be like, "Here, let's go put this there," so she thinks she's awesome. Right? I want, I want him. That's Give like me my him. favorite. What's his number? It was just my favorite story ever, and so it's like one of those things that just has always stuck out to me, and I remember it very well. Um, so I don't, I'm assuming you don't have any like fish stocking uh, stories, but what was it like being married to somebody in the Secret Service? You know, kind of living, living that Capitol Hill life. 
It was so, I mean, it, it feels literally like another life ago. Like when I say it, I'm like, when that was like 50 years ago. Yeah. I mean, it, I'm, I just turned 40 and oh my gosh, it seems like a whole nother life. I mean, it was awesome. It was, we didn't have kids at the time. It was a totally different season of our life. We worked a ton, but we loved it. Grant traveled a ton. And one of the reasons he is not in that anymore is just, it was hard. We, you know, it was okay for us because I worked a ton and he worked a ton. And so it was fine that he was traveling, but with yeah, kids, it was, season. it would be a little tough. Um, so yeah, he literally traveled the world. I mean, he's been to like 36 countries. He's met a million gazillion people. He has the greatest stories, which are amazing. And then for me, I mean, I learned so much about myself personally working on Capitol Hill because I wanted to work for this nonprofit group. And I, I honestly, Molly, it is so funny. Like I knew nothing. I didn't know I did not know how to make a law. I didn't know about amendments. I knew nothing. And I remember Grant saying, I mean, what, like, how are you going to learn this stuff? I'm like, I don't know. I was like, I'm just going to figure it out. And so I kind of stalked the lady that I wanted to work for and just said, I want to work for you. And she's like, what experience do you have? I'm like, I don't have any experience actually. I was like, but I'm a hard worker. I was like, and I'm real passionate. And so she's like, yeah, let's do it. So it was like three years of just drinking from like, a fire hose. I mean, it was, you just figure it out. And so I just remember sitting in these meetings. Oh my gosh, we would sit in this meeting. So we were kind of like supposed to be the spokesperson for these different issues. And we would have a Senator come in and he would ask us specifically like what we thought about a certain bill or amendment. There's just so many little intricacies, but I literally had no idea what he was talking about. I mean, no idea. And so at night I would go home and Google dot gov for kids. And that is how I learned Washington oh is dot gov. For, no joke. That's dot amazing. Gov for kids. And then I had this one guy and I always talk about this because in Washington, and I don't know if this is the case anymore, but like when you're the new girl and I was young, you're not like welcomed with open arms from the mm -hmm. people who have been mm -hmm. there for a long time. Mm -hmm. It's very like, who is this person? They don't know anything. It's very, uh, you feel very insecure. And I remember sitting around this table and I probably look like a deer in headlights. Like, first of all, I'm like, why am I even sitting here? I don't, I don't know anything. And I had this one guy who barely knew me, but he probably could see the struggle on my face. And he, this is when we had blackberries, like back in the old day. Oh yeah. With the yeah. rollerball, the roll, the rollerball yeah. center, the, the scrolly, the scrolly. the scrolly. And, um, <laughs> I'm sitting there and it's about to be my turn and I'm supposed to have some wisdom on this certain amendment. And I honestly have no idea. And they're talking about cloture and all these different words that I'm supposed to know, but don't. And I get this buzz on my blackberry and the guy across the table has written me exactly what I'm supposed to say on my BlackBerry. And he literally saved, saved my butt. And I just read it word for word. Like I look under the table while I'm trying to make eye contact and he, you know, I gave him nothing in return. Obviously I have no knowledge for him. I had no contacts. I had nothing. He just did it out of the goodness of his heart. And I love that story because it just, it reminds me so much of like, just give with no agenda. And mm he just saved me from that. And so that was Capitol Hill. It was like, it was literally hustle bustle all the time. I loved every second of it. And then I volunteered as the press advance for the White House. And that was just, so the president always has a camera crew with him at all times. So they have the White House press pool and then they have like Fox News and CNN and they'll have someone from those different places in this press pool. So honestly, the president is with some type of camera 
apparatus or people following him most of the time that he goes to events and they're right beside him. I mean, they're like right there. And so that was kind of my job is to make sure that those people who came out, you see the motorcade and they're in the motorcade is to make sure that those people get to where they're supposed to that they behave themselves. And then we get out as fast as we can to get in the motorcade because the president waits for no one. And so that is some of the funniest stories. I remember being in Brazil. We were like climbing these like three flights of stairs because a lot of times, I mean, it's not the most glamorous sometimes getting to and from places. And I just remember we had this camera guy and he was struggling to get up those stairs. And I'm like, dude, I'm like, the motorcade is leaving us if you don't go. I'm like, you got to go. And so I just remember like sprinting to the motorcade, jumping everybody in. I mean, you're, you're literally having a heart attack most events because any, our job was to make sure that the president looked good in the press. And so if there was, I mean, you've seen the debacles, if someone has toilet paper on their shoe, if someone, you know, is behind them with a sign that is not representing what it should be, or, I mean, that was kind of our job to make sure that what you saw in the papers was a good representation of what it should be. And so you're always on pins and needles the whole time. Like your adrenaline is going until the motorcade leaves and then you breathe. <laughs> so it was really fun. Um, oh my goodness. I loved every second of it. Yeah. You need to be young and spry for that job. Yes. <laughs> like- yes. <laughs> totally. Totally. Yes. Oh my goodness. That's fantastic. And what a, yeah, I love that story where, that you shared about that guy who just, who just saved your butt. I mean, totally. and it's, it's just such a reminder to all of us to just, yeah, just be kind, be generous. Like don't do everything with a, you know, with an agenda. Right. For sure. Now, did you, were you ever nervous, like with your husband being Secret Service, just when he left on the trip, were you just ever honestly thinking like, is he going to come home? Like, you know what I mean? Like he's trained to take a bullet for the president. Like that is, right. that's scary. Yeah, I mean, I think you always are. I think you're always a little bit on edge, but then, I mean, honestly, as the years go by, you they are in the most protected for the most part places and they're very smart. I mean, half the things like if there was any stressor of anything and he also worked with other presidents as well before he was on the detail, he would make sure and tell me those like months later. I mean, I'm sure there's stories that I don't even know and I'm okay with that. And then there's some stuff that's so funny now that he's been out for a bit. He'll, you know, tell a story to someone. I'm like, uh, how come I don't know that story? He's like, oh yeah. He's like, I forgot to tell you that. I'm like, did you forget? I was like, or did you just not tell me that? So yeah, I mean, I think there's always an element of being a little nervous, but you know, it comes with the territory and you kind of get used to it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, and then obviously fast forward a few years, you guys now have a family and what took you out to Colorado? Yeah. So we have a couple moves. So we've moved like eight times in our life and That is something interesting, too, is like making community in all of these different places. So we first we lived in D.C. and then we moved back to Oklahoma City. He went private sector and then I went back into youth ministry with the same people I was working with before we moved to D.C. So that was awesome. Um, Then we moved to St. Louis, which was um, his dad had Alzheimer's dementia and we went to care for him for three years. And then we just moved here I guess three years ago, um, Grant's office got moved here. And this was kind of always one of our top spots that we wanted to live. And it just seemed right. And um, yeah, so we've been here for three years in the land of of beauty. In the land of beauty. Yeah, Colorado is gorgeous. I haven't been in a few years, but it is just such a beautiful 
a beautiful state. And every time I have a lot of layovers in Colorado when I fly and I'm just like flying into the Denver airport. It's just like a postcard. <laughs> yeah, it is. It, it. I know when you next time you do it, you need to do like a six hour layover yes. and then just go like explore something yeah. real quick. Yeah, that would be really fun. I'm going to take a quick break from my conversation with Christy to share with you the brand new spring summer 2020 collection from Seiko Designs. The Hopefully Yours collection has everything from handcrafted legacy leather goods to handwoven and block printed textiles. Each piece in this collection is truly something to be treasured and celebrated, just like you. We promise that these pieces are going to become treasured items in your collection, telling not just a story of your personal style, but of hope, resilience, and belief. My personal favorites from the collection are the vintage satchel in the gorgeous mixed metallic leather, the striped tee that says Be Brave on the pocket. I'm actually wearing it today, along with the chiffon skirt in the Leo print, which I'm also wearing today. Both perfect for spring, but you can easily transition them into other seasons. They are on repeat in my closet lately. Every single piece in this entire collection is absolutely stunning, and I know you're going to love it. So to shop this incredible collection, go to SeikoDesigns.com slash Molly Stillman. That's S-S-E-K-O Designs.com slash Molly Stillman. Now back to my chat with Christy. So obviously he left this really powerful lunchbox note, which I just love. Be strong, protect the weak, love everyone. And you know, that obviously spurred the, you know, the beginnings of Be Strong. And, you know, I would just love for you to just kind of share what has that journey looked like as you have, you know, you got this idea, you were like, that's amazing. We need to start with apparel. And as you started to see the ripple effects of, of impacting people in that way and, and impacting people in a really positive way and really living out that motto of being strong, protecting the weak and loving everyone. What has maybe changed for you over the years? Is there something in particular that's really impacted you and your family on that journey? Yeah, I think it all has. I mean, it's very simple. It's just very simple. So be strong, honestly, is more about teaching our kids and ourselves to be who we were created to be. So I want my kids to be strong in who they are and whose they are. So that when a first grader, a seventh grader on social media, a 45 year old, whoever says something that is untrue about them or criticizes them or, you know, speaks negative words to them, that that does not hang on to them, that that is not something that affects them because they know who they are. They know um, that they're not these negative things. And so that's the real part of be strong. Protect the weak is seems to be pretty obvious. But for us, and what I'm really trying to teach my kids is that all of us are weak. Many times we think of the weak as, oh, the homeless person on the side of the street or this person or this person. Those actually happen to be some of the strongest people that I know. Yes. 100%. And so I always like to tell people, like, we will all be weak. And so I want my kids to know that it is okay to be weak and it is okay to ask for help. But when we are the strong ones at the in this season, or we are the ones that can bring light to people, that's our job. And I always say this, there's a phrase that I say every day um, to my kids, as we fist pump out the door and it's eyes wide, light shine. And really that is just keep your eyes open. Kids, keep your eyes open at the playground. Keep your eyes open at the cafeteria. Keep your eyes open in class. Is there anyone who needs a little light shining on them today? Is there anyone who's struggling? And then that's your job is to go shine your light on them. And that's what it really means is just, 
you know, for those who might be vulnerable in that moment that we help them. Um, and then love everyone is the hardest, quite honestly, because there are many people who are very hard to love, even you know, with kids, sadly, they're going through bullying and those kind of things so much earlier than they should be. I have conversations with parents all the time about their kids being treated unkindly at ages four, five, six. I mean, it, it just gets earlier and earlier and how to really love others through that. And so that's been, it's just been so simple for us. I think I'm the kind of person who loves like, I'm like, oh, we're going to make some family mission and family goals. And we're going to write this, you know, thing that we live by. And you know, that's hard for people who like, that's harder for them to do. Like they don't love, like my husband was like, Oh my gosh, why do we always make goals? Why do we have to always do this mission? Why do we have to do this? (laughs) He's like, Oh, can we just live our lives? And the great thing is like, this is us living our lives. We get to do this. The beautiful thing has been really bringing along other families for the journey. That is been so beautiful. So you know, even in our community, we have our Be Strong Families group. And so every month we go serve somewhere together. And that has been so beautiful because it is teaching families that serving and loving together, building a family mission together. We do it for ourselves individually, but we don't really usually do it as a family. That if we have values and goals as a family, we write them down and then we figure out how to live those out. I cannot even tell you how that opens our hearts together individually. It's been so neat. So I think the, my favorite thing is really journeying with other families where I'll have families. I had someone say the other night, they were talking about serving with their kids and they were saying, you know, how can we, how can we serve others and what are some ways? And and they immediately said, I love it when we serve with Be Strong Story families. I feel, I mean, they're little kids. I feel like that's a time that we can serve others. And so it's just cool to see these families who are coming alongside and saying, like right now, some of our service opportunities, they're getting full, like within a week, we have to turn down people where that was not the case a couple years ago. Like you couldn't get people to serve. And now people are seeing the benefit of building relationship with those who are different than them and those who have different life experiences experiences. And for me, that changed everything for me. When I sat with a refugee and heard their story and sat in their story, when I sit with homeless, you know, on a weekly basis and just listen to them and hear their stories, the judgment that I used to have, the closed walls that I used to have, all the things that I thought, you know, because of my perspective, I only knew what I knew, but now I know what they know. And so my entire heart has changed. And that's really, honestly, my passion and desire for families to be in relationship with those who are different than them, who have different struggles with them, so that we can truly have our hearts open to others. And when that happens, empathy just like, it's like this burst of empathy and love, and you become someone that you really never thought you could be. That's so powerful. And you really hit the nail on the head when you're talking about just the importance of the family unit and really strengthening the family unit and supporting families. And it's just so interesting that you brought that up because I was actually on my most recent trip to Kenya at the beginning of January. And I got to grab lunch and catch up with um, an old friend from that who I had not seen in almost eight years. So he um, he lives in Kenya. He's, he's Kenyan. And um, I knew him from my first trip and my second trip to Kenya. And I had not seen him um, since 2012. 
And we were able to catch up and get lunch. And it was just, you know, just such a joy to see him. And I was asking him, you know, what he's doing these days. And he had, he was working with a new organization. And he said that um, the new organization that he's working with um, is working in a lot of the communities that he used to work in before. But before they were doing the with the old organization that he was working with, what they would do is they would go into these communities and they'd kind of identify you know, some areas in the community that really needed improvement. Maybe they were accessed, it was access to clean water, or maybe they were, there was no hospital anywhere nearby. So they needed to maybe build a hospital, something like that. So they're identifying some of these, you know, very key needs in the communities. And he was like, what we were finding was that while some of the things were good, what was happening is that if the community at large was benefiting, but certain families maybe didn't need like, so say, for example, he was like, you know, say you have somebody in the family who never gets sick, like hasn't been sick in 15 years and mm-hmm. never utilizes the hospital. Well, that's a service that that like that family doesn't need, but that family has no food. Or Mm. there's no father present in the home or they don't have, you know, education, then we haven't done anything for them. And so with this new organization that he's working with, what they are doing is they are now identifying in these communities the families that are most at need. And they are coming alongside these families to strengthen the family units within the communities. Mm. And I loved hearing him just kind of share about the work that they're doing because he's like, you know, when you strengthen the family unit, he's like, then the community changes. And so it's like this reverse effect. We're rather doing like a top down approach. It's a bottom up approach. And I mean, just to see how that's impacting these these families and these communities in Kenya, like this is a, a universal thing. Like doesn't matter what country you're in, what community you're in, whether you're affluent or you live in the, the deepest depths of poverty, having a strong family unit can make or break you. Right. Truly, truly, truly. And so I love that that's something that you guys have really identified as something that can impact communities, can impact schools, so many things. It's just it's it's really, really powerful. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I think one of the things when I was in youth ministry is that we only started serving with kids when they were like in middle school and high school, right? And you did it individually. You usually like it was a missions trip or and the parents didn't come. It was just like your kids, they came home, they were changed. But like many times the kids are changing, but the parents are not. And the the thing that I'm seeing is like a lot of times, you know, if you want to go to a certain place to serve, you can't bring your little kids. And so that is what we wanted to change is to say we want the whole family unit to be able to go and experience yeah. serving and loving and seeing others in a different light. And so that is kind of the thing that we're really trying to do is to say to the whole family, the four, we have four and five and six-year-olds come. We had, yes. we just went to a homeless shelter um, on Saturday and that's the one that we work with. And so it's very hard to get into a homeless shelter when you're, I mean, not many people let you do that, but because we work with them, we know them, we were able to make breakfast. We had six-year-olds cutting up potatoes and serving coffee. And the beautiful thing is that what I always see, and it makes me laugh, people are like, yeah, we're helping our kids serve. And I'm like, well, you are. I'm like, but actually your heart is the heart that's going to change. Because what I see is these families, these parents who have biases, I'm not saying it's 
that they mean to have biases. We all do because of the way that we grew up. And so we have these kids who don't really have biases yet and they are not, they do not discriminate. So my favorite thing is watching these five and six year olds who completely are fine with the way other people look, if they're dirty, if they're, they look different, if they act different, they actually don't even care. I mean, my little girl, when she first came to the homeless shelter, I mean, it's dirty. It is, it is what you think. And I just gave her a heads up. I'm like, Hey, and I always tell kids, I'm like, if you feel uncomfortable in any way, you know, here's a code word or here's something like you, we don't want to just throw them in situations. And the more that I see that my kids are interacting with those who are different than them, who might not look the same as them. It is like a total game changer. I mean, my kid goes into that homeless shelter like she owns the place. She's like, oh, hey, guys. Hey, Bobby. Da, 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 da. I mean, she's in the kitchen. She's playing with the dogs. I mean, she just – it's no different than if she was just at home chilling with her friends. Like, it, there's no difference. And I see it all the time as these families will come in and will go, you know, even work with homeless or whoever. And these parents will have such a tight grip on their kids' hands like, oh, my gosh, is this safe? Is this not? And then by the end of the time that we've served together, they've released that grip a little bit. And it just is such a powerful reminder and symbol to me that the more that we interact with those who are different than us, who might be struggling, and we hear their story and we learn that they're so much like us in in so many ways, that is when we have this open hand approach. And so Oh man, I just love seeing it with these littles and I love giving the opportunity to families young and old to serve one another together. It's awesome. Yeah, we don't give kids enough credit for everything that they are able to do. And I love that you're providing an outlet for families to be able to do that alongside their children. That is really incredible. Now, I have to ask if, you know, so if somebody is listening and they're like, but I don't live, I don't live near you, Christy, and I want to get involved. (laughs) How can they do that? Yeah, so number one, it's so much simpler than we think it is. So I always say to people like, you know, some people say, well, I don't have your personality. It's very awkward for me. You're an extrovert. It's awkward for me just to go up to someone. You, Everyone has, I always want to say, everyone has their own gifts, their talents that they can serve others with and the season of life. And so we really just got a group of families together who had the same like-minded values and said, let's go serve together. And then we just called people up and said, how can we serve you? We don't go in and say, this is what we're going to do for you. I mean, I think that's a mistake a lot of us make that we think we know what someone needs. We ask them, would it be great for us to come into the elderly home and bring some kids and do some crafts? Would that be something that would encourage your people? Absolutely. Great. Let's do it. I mean, it's not as hard as we make it. One thing that we're just providing this year is um, we call it our family coaching network. And basically every month we have different topics that we teach on that our community has given to us that maybe they're struggling with their young or old kids with um, communication, how to serve when their kids are little, how to build a family mission, how do we speak love in our own home, love languages, those kind of things. So every month we are coaching and we can do that online. We do that online. They can just go to our website, bestrongstory.com. And it's the first thing that pops up is monthly family coaching. And it's comes to your inbox. And then we have an online community that interacts with one another to give ideas of like, hey, you live in rural, you know, Texas, and you don't have maybe homeless shelters. Here's something that you can do. It's just, you don't have to go to Kenya. You don't have to go to the homeless shelter. There are so many things that we can do if we just keep our eyes open. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I will make sure to include all of the links to all of that, including the link to your 
upcoming children's book, which is so exciting. I will include all of that in the show notes. So for the listeners, if you don't know how to access the show notes, they will be on my blog, stillbeingmolly.com slash podcast. Or you can also just on whatever podcast app you're listening, usually you just have to swipe up and there are the show notes right there for you. So I'll be sure to include all of that. Awesome. Um, Christy, this has been so much fun and I could talk to you forever. Um, But before we go, I just want to ask you a couple of fun get to know you questions because it's one of my favorite parts of the show. So Christy, are you ready for the get to know you round? I am so ready. All right. Question number one is in 40 years, what do you think people will be nostalgic for? My gosh, that is a good question. Nostalgic for hmm, yoga pants. (laughs) (laughs) You think they're going to be you think they'll be gone because that would be tragic. That would be so tragic. I don't know. I feel like it's something that we love so much that we take for granted. So it could be. You never know. Yes. I love it. Okay. Kind of in the reverse, way in the reverse. If you were transported 400 years into the past with no clothes or anything else, how would you prove that you're from the future? Oh, my gosh, Molly. These are hard. <laughs> I don't even know. Um, I So I interviewed somebody like uh, a week or two ago and asked her that question. And she said, my hair, because she dyes her hair like crazy oh, colors. Oh, perfect. <laughs> I was like, that's perfect. really good. <laughs> that is really good. Um, gosh, I don't know. I feel like I can, t- like my parents always said I was a good debater. And so I feel like I would just have to, and like I could talk my way into things. And so I think I would just have to do that. I would just have to like talk my way into having them just debate them to to let them know I am 400 years older (laughs) I love it that's fantastic okay if you you said you love to coach so if you were a professional athlete what would your walk-up hype song be oh my gosh I can't tell you because probably I love a good hip hop song. Yes, I'm not gonna lie. Yes. And so any hip hop song is gonna get me going. I, like for sure. I love that you asked this question. Do I get to pick the sport? What's my sport? Sure. I, sure. I usually give baseball as the example because like baseball players are the ones yes, that they always have it. They always have their walk up song. Do you know that's one of my favorite things at a baseball game is to honestly is to go what song do I think that they're and try to guess yeah. what genre of music yeah. that they're going to go up to and I honestly feel I always say I wish like music was playing because it's always playing in my head I wish it was playing in our life like anytime that we do we do something we have like a you know a hype up song for sure you're going to laugh at this so I want to play basketball so my dream you know I used to play basketball in college and my dream now that I'm old and decrepit is for my kids to play basketball and of course neither of them really love it um, which makes me so freaking sad one of them plays soccer which I know nothing about and then the other one is a gymnast and I'm like you know I just feel like everyone should get tens I'm like everybody did so great it's so awesome you're so, you're so generous I don't know. Well, I don't even know what I'm looking for. Like I have a friend who's a gymnast who used to be very high elite and she'll sit right by me and I'll look at the same thing. And I'm like, that girl did great. And she's like, no, she did not. I'm like, yes, she did. And then she'll like replay it on her phone. And and she's like, look at this, look at this. I mean, it's just so exquisite, but you're going to die. So you know what my pump up music. So right now, like I love, I'm a competitive person. Um, I've done CrossFit forever. And my hype up song for any competition is Ludovico Inaldi. Do you know him? I don't, but is, I'm going to look it up. He is definitely not hip hop. He is classical. Oh. And 
he plays this song. It's called, um, I won't say it right. It's Devonair, Dev, Devier, I don't know, D-I-V-I-E-R-I-E or something. And I don't know if you remember a couple years ago when they had that Procter & Gamble Olympic commercial with the moms who oh, yeah. took their kids. Do you remember this? Everyone they took remembers their kids it. Yeah. To practice, you know, when they were like little babes yep. and they were sacrificed so much. And then at the end, it's like they're Olympic Olympians. And of course they go up and hug their mom. Okay. That commercial, the song that's in it is Ludovico's and it's the Devonair song. And that song, I'm not kidding. I don't know if it's because I'm a mom or what, but if ever I, I I put it in my ear, if I'm running, I hate running. So I have to really put myself up or if I'm going to do a, like a CrossFit competition, I used to do those. And so I would put that in my ear or if I need to write like, and really focus on something, that's what I put in. So yeah, Ludovico Inaldi is my hype up music, which like is so it. hilarious because I also could listen to like, yeah. you know, Drake. Yeah. So <laughs> two, two totally different genres. I'm, I like it. Yes. I'm here for it. Um, okay. My last question is, Christy, what does it mean to you to run a business with purpose? Oh, I think, I mean, I think that is, is everything. One of my phrases for like, we always do a word of the year, but I'm, I can't edit myself down to one word most times. And so a couple years ago, my phrase was build on behalf and build on behalf of others. So I wanted to look at every single goal that we had in business and family and volunteering, whatever it was, whatever it was that I was successful with, it needed to be on behalf of someone else and not just for me. And so I think we live in this world that's like, whatever you got to do, go after your dreams. You know, I'm all, I love that. I love the, all those things. But when it really comes down to it, if I'm not building on behalf of someone else, whether it be the vulnerable, whether it be the misunderstood, the poor, if I'm not doing that, then there is no purpose in it for me. And so that really has been kind of my mantra for the last couple years. And I just kind of take that into everything that we do in our business. That's fantastic. Thank you, Christy. You are a joy and a gift. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, Molly. Thanks for having me. I'd love to know what you loved about this episode or something that you learned. If you do, let me know on social media. You can find me at Still Being Molly or at Business With Purpose Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. And don't forget to use the show hashtag Business With Purpose Podcast. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. If you are a first-time listener of the show, welcome. Be sure to visit the archives for past shows featuring amazing entrepreneurs and business owners who are literally changing the world with what they do for a living. And if you're a regular listener of the show, thank you for tuning in week in and week out. Be sure to head on over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Radio Public, Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts and click that subscribe or follow button. Clicking that button helps to make sure that you never miss a new episode of the show. And while you're there, would you mind taking a moment to leave a review? Leaving a review just really helps me to know what you're liking and how the show is personally impacting you. This show is produced by Third Wheel Media. Thank you so much for listening and go do something good with purpose on purpose. Purpose.